The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Greetings all. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. So glad to have you with me today. And coming up on today's program, uh, some more stuff that we collected up on Mackinac Island that maybe you saw it stream live, but more than likely you did not. And one of the things I'd like to do when I'm on the island is find out what is going on in various industries around the state. Talk to people uh, that are doing innovative things. And every year I try to catch up and find out what's going on in higher education in our state. And so much of the attention on universities in the state, especially when it comes to the media, is focused on things that are going on at Michigan State, the University of Michigan, or Wayne State University, the so-called big three research institutions here in the state. But often, often there are smaller colleges and universities that are doing some pretty amazing things. So coming up on today's program, a couple of interviews I gathered while I was on the island there, one with the president of Kettering University in Flint. They are having a remarkable impact on the auto industry and getting us prepared for what's happening in this sort of new mobility century that we're embarked upon right now. So that should be a fun conversation. Also, the president of Northern Michigan University is going to join us talking about some emerging fields here in the state that they are trying to get in on early. One, dealing with cannabis, but two, they also made a huge, huge improvement for broadband access in the Upper Peninsula. We'll talk about that because that is a huge, huge equality issue as far as I'm concerned. The access to the internet, it matters when it comes to education. So we're going to talk about all of that on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Stay with me. I promise you're going to enjoy this. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for being with us as we broadcast live from the Detroit Regional Chamber's annual Mackinac Policy Conference. And like I said, I love coming to this conference because I have an opportunity to speak to a lot of people that, you know, I don't always get a chance to uh, because, you know, you're busy worrying about the news of the day or whatever. There's an institution in our state that I don't think enough people know about that is incredibly important when it comes to making sure we have the talent we need when it comes to science, technology, engineering, mathematics, Kettering. Kettering University is a huge thing. And joining me right now is Dr. Robert McMahon, who is a president and also professor of physics at the yeah, university. Yeah, very good. Dual role, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. Well, you know, look, you need to be involved in the mix in this discussion that we're having up here. We, we, the, constantly at the Chamber's Policy Conference, are talking about the talent gap, making sure we have the engineering talent we're going to need to compete as, as our industries, our main industries change. And, and Kettering, obviously, has been a huge part of the automotive industry since the beginning, as, as used to be the General Motors Institute. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Talk a little bit about that role, um, what you're doing right now to make sure that Michigan is cranking out the talent and keeping it here. Yeah, no, that's a great, great intro. The, the, the Kettering is really a jewel in American higher education, not just in Michigan, but the United States. And it's unique in the country. 
because it was founded at the same time the automotive industry was by the same people who founded it. Mm -hmm. You know, the Durants, the Dorts, the Chevrolets, the Buicks, all these people. These were people. And when they founded the industry, they also founded a school around a model to train, specifically to train the talent that they needed to grow the industry. Mm -hmm. And that, that became ultimately what we know as Kettering University today. It was GMI for part of its history. It's actually had seven names over the yeah. past hundred <laughs> years. And this is our that 100th hasn't anniversary. Yeah, no, it's it a branding challenge, I, I realize. It does <laughs> indeed. It does indeed. But what they, what, they, what they developed was this model of education that said, well, as Charles Kettering famously said, he said, you know, if we taught... If we taught musicians like we teach engineers, he said, we would give them 12 years of music theory before we ever let them touch a piano, <laughs> right? We don't do that because we recognize in musicians that it's as important to practice the skill as it is to learn the, techni the technique sure. or to learn the, the theory, and that the two go hand in hand. And if you create an equality between them, if you practice and learn and practice and learn, that you create a virtuous circle. And that's what the Kettering model says. Our students spend half the time in classroom, half the time in professional placements. They're paid engineers. They're paid scientists. They get paid well in their, mm -hmm. in their cooperative placements, and they do this rotation through their entire time. It's not just a senior year semester. It's part of the educational model. Well, it, it seems almost like a, a med school approach. It is in a lot of ways. It's, and, and we do this approach in a lot of disciplines. It's just that traditional universities were not founded on that model. And so there's a lot of inertia to keep them from going there, but many of them would like to do what we do because it's so effective. Well, give me a sense as to, as to how somebody is going to be different if they go to Kettering and get this type of an education as opposed to, say, going to the University of Michigan, which has got a, a fine no, engineering a fine, program. Fine program. Uh, you know, it, it is a different approach. Talk about preparedness and, and what a student is getting out of Kettering. Well, when you, if you go around this conference and you talk to people about skills and skill development, most of the people that you talk to will say something about how, well, it's, it, you know, it's not just enough to learn the book, the theory. What we really are interested in, soft skills, working in organizations, working in teams. None of us works alone. We're not islands. We all work in organizations. We work in teams. We work with other people. So a really important skill for any practitioner, and an engineer or a scientist especially so, is the ability to leverage an organization and to move an idea through mm -hmm. an organization. What our students do is when they enter as freshmen, um, in that first year, the class is divided into two halves, and then one half the class goes to school for 12 weeks. The other half of the class becomes a professional engineer, gets a job in company. We work with 550 companies worldwide across all domains, not just automotive, but medicine, chemistry, uh, aerospace, finance, sure. you name it. Um, and they go in as a you know, a practicing engineer. And as they learn the discipline, as they get more math, as they learn statics and dynamics, they learn all these things, they're also advancing in their job and they're applying it. So they see why they need to know it, right? They can say, I, you know, I learned this fancy equation in class. Now I see why I need it. I'm actually using it. And here's what I need to know more about it. That virtuous circle creates a graduate that's unlike any other, a graduate that is really uniquely prepared to hit the ground running. Our, our, our graduates, when they enter their professional roles, they don't have to learn. 
They don't have to learn how to be in a company. They don't learn how to make presentations or work in teams. They know. They're already supervising people by that point. Many of them, and many of our seniors, you know, supervise other employees. They are, they have two and a half years of professional experience when they graduate. They've done major projects. They've done all these things. And so that gives us, gives them an advantage, not just at the start, but throughout their entire career. So I'm hearing a bit of a Carolina draw there. You, you, got, uh, you, yeah. you went to Duke. Uh, you did. were at Western Carolina University for a while. Yep. I mean, you've been in a, a number of academic settings in your career, uh, Harvard being part of that as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, you're enthusiastic about Kettering. Did you know much about Kettering before uh, you, you took this position? I actually did. I actually okay. did, both as Kettering and as GMI okay. in, in its previous incarnation. And uh, my career makes sense only in the rearview mirror, but it's <laughs> but it's been as much in business. Yeah, I was going to say in academia. You, you, you've been you've started companies, uh, venture capital, and helped other people get their stuff up and running. Uh, it's a very unique sort of backdrop you've got. I mean, and to go full full bore into academia after doing all the private sector stuff. Uh, was that a transition for you? Actually, I've kept doing both at the same, same time. time. So it really How? wasn't. Really wasn't. Well, it's, you know, what, one of do our... Do sleep is what, question, Yeah, well, that's one of, our, <laughs> one of our students said to me, I said, How do you do all that you're doing? And the student looked at me and said, Well, sometimes I just don't sleep. And that's, that's, that's part of the formula. But. Well, you know, I, I want to get back into Kettering for just a second because, obviously, you know, I worked at Wayne State for, for many, many years, yeah. the public radio station Excellent. there, and, Excellent. and watched very carefully as Wayne State played a really, really big role in the revitalization of that area working alongside with the DMC, and so you got the whole Eds and Meds thing going. Right. When you look at Flint's redevelopment, what role should Kettering be playing in that, and what role is it playing right now? We have a very active role in the redevelopment of Flint. In fact, um, one of our four kind of strategic focus areas as an institution is community vitality. Mm-hmm. So we're focused on being not just a passive observer or passive participant in the revitalization of Flint, but an active participant. We are we're doing a lot of what's happening in Detroit. Detroit, in turn, uh, the mayor at Dugan, and, and with blight removal yep. and neighborhood revitalization, we we even took over a historic football stadium in Flint, uh, the Atwood Stadium. Uh, we don't have a football team, but we but we took on the operation and uh, renovation of the stadium because it was an important community asset. We're focused on building a community that is vibrant, economically active. And that leverages the assets of the university in important ways to bring businesses into Flint. And so we're teaming with other institutions in Flint, with many of the with philanthropists and, and other organizations to 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 see, to to help rebuild the the city economically and socially. And and quite frankly, there's some amazing great things going on in Flint right now. Well, you're the second Flint discussion I've had. I had uh, the guys from uh, who had renovated uh, a couple of buildings downtown earlier on today. I think it was called the the Ferris. The Ferris wheel. Ferris wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those we guys have students down there, uh, and it was pretty cool. But. You know, I wonder, from your perspective, is, is that a role, you know, this is sort of a new role for universities when it comes to the economic development portion. They've always been a part of the community. They've always been thought of as pillars of the community. But has that role changed in recent years? I think it has. And I think, you know, you, you noted my Carolina drawl. I mean, one thing that North Carolina, and that's where I'm from. I, I lived in Charlotte for a couple of years. Okay. That's why I recognized okay, good. it. Okay, so. yeah. uh, And we have some barbecue stories we can yes, share. Yes, we do. But, but I'm, I'm the, not sure it counts, but I like it. <laughs> I like it. 
but that's all right. We'll have that argument another day. But that's something that North Carolina has always focused on, and I was involved in part of my career in, in, in leading those efforts in North Carolina. How do you mobilize universities to drive economic redevelopment in well, the I mean, The triangle is Perfect. the model that everybody follows. It's the model that everybody Duke, wants NC to do. NC State, UNC. Yep. Absolutely. But there are other great models in North Carolina as well that are less well-known as the Triangle, but nonetheless as effective in have, helping to rebuild the community. And so when I, came to, uh, when I came to Kettering, I saw a world-class... I mean, think of this. It's, it's, Kettering in Flint is like Flint having a mini MIT in the middle of its... Yeah. Mini MIT in the middle of the city. What power an uh, organization like that can have in attracting businesses and driving new technologies and driving new economic activities if the university takes an active role? If it says, okay, we're not just going to sit back and wait, we're actually going to do, we're going to invest, we're going to vest in this city, we're going to invest in our role, and, and we're celebrate our place in Flint. If you do all those things, you can really affect enormous change. And people who come back to the university area in Flint uh, who hadn't been there in five years and come back now, the, the overwhelming response is, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. This is a completely different place than it was. Well, you know, in, in terms of attracting students, uh, you know, it's a very specialized program, you know, that you're typically offering there. And obviously you're looking for a certain – do you have to go out and recruit the kind of kids you're looking for or are they finding you? Well, a little bit of both, but we do actively recruit, and we actually have to make the case because it is a little bit of a different model. Yeah, but it's when you look at how, a th what types of graduates this institution produces, and where they end up, and what they're capable of doing, it's a pretty, it's a pretty strong case you can make. I mean, we can look all over Southeast Michigan, starting with Mary Barra. Are, uh, are graduates of this institution. If you look across all the major companies in in in, uh, in Michigan, you'll find Kettering grads all over those companies in leadership roles and heads of engineering and heads of the business units. They're there, um, but it's not just in Michigan. It's all over the country. Sure. Well, so I mean, obviously, it's it's an important institution. But what are some of the challenges you're dealing with right now? Well, we're, we're one of the challenges is, of course, the demographics in Michigan mm -hmm. is, is the number of students um, that are graduating from high schools is decreasing over time and so we need to we need to pay special attention as a state to how we're going to address that because that's our seed corn but for that population of students we also have to say you know an engineer isn't created in 12th grade an engineer starts in sixth grade and fifth grade. Kids doing the elaborate Lego stuff. I mean, exactly. you know, you know which ones are going to gravitate oh, yeah. towards it. And we, we invest heavily in FIRST Robotics. We've got a FIRST Robotics Community Center on Kettering that serves everybody from elementary school through high school because we believe it's important to reach in. We've got to, we've got to encourage that student in sixth grade, in fifth grade, not just wait for them to emerge in 12th grade. If we wait for that, it's too late. That student needs to make the right choices and be encouraged and excited and inspired in those early grades. And we can play a role in that, too. And that's one of the things we were focused on. All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming to talk to me today. No, Give me a little wonderful. bit of time. Dr. Robert McMahon has been my guest, president and professor of physics at Kettering University, among other things. Entrepreneur, uh, still doing all this stuff. Just out of curiosity, teaching physics, you know, it's not an easy thing. Uh, that in itself is a full-time job for most people. 
Well, I love it. Uh, of all the titles that I've ever had. You actually do still teach the classes, Oh, yes, right? I still that, teach, that, yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. No, I, of all the titles I've ever had, the one I think I'm, I'm most proud of is professor because that interaction, that ability to work with students and to see that light bulb go off and to, and to work with them and to, and to play some small role in the future, in their future, is just one of the most gratifying things one can ever do. Well, thank you for your thank time, you. sir. Thank and you. thanks for your contribution to the state. It's a big thank deal. You. And, Thank you. You know, hope you like Michigan. It's not oh, a bad I love place. It. Oh, Very I love good. it. <laughs> Dr. Robert McMahon, again, president and professor of physics at Kettering University, joining us here on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for being with us as we broadcast live from the Mackinac Policy Conference. Big deal to be up here, almost almost in the Upper Peninsula. No, Technically, are we in are the in the UP. Upper Peninsula. That's right. So Mackinac Island is part of the UP. It is part of the UP. Well, and who would know better than my guest, Fritz Erickson, <laughs> president at Northern Michigan University, which, of course, is in Marquette, proudly in the UP. Proudly in the it's UP. It's a pleasure to have you here, sir. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate well, it. One of my favorite things about being up here on this island is an opportunity to talk to the folks involved in the mm-hmm. higher education system in the state. And, and frankly, I think, uh, you know, people think of Northern Michigan University, Michigan Tech as being way up there. But you are providing a really, really important service for people there. And, you know, Marquette in itself is really great community. We, I don't we, think a lot of people think about it. We do. Marquette's an amazing place to live, work, play, learn. Um, it's as fun and vibrant a community as you can find. We've become a foodie town. We've become a brew pub town. I think every other block now has a brew pub on it. It is a place of outdoor engagement and, and fine, fine community life. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're here because one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is something I was hearing a few days ago is, is you guys pulled off a major, major accomplishment in terms of broadband connectivity yeah. in, in rural parts of Michigan, the entire UP. This has been a problem for a long time. You talked about equal access to opportunity and education. If you don't have access to the Internet, it's just not equal. That's true. You guys were able to get a bunch of the spectrum from the FCC. That's right. And... High-speed internet, high the speed internet UP. for the whole of the UP. The whole of the UP. Yeah, we said it. We what what happened is in 08, we thought, well, let's we can figure out how to provide high-speed internet for our students all over and in, in and around the city of Marquette. Our students like as they like to say, they like to take their laptops. They like to go sit along the shores of Lake Superior out in the woods. And and one student said to me, "Pretend to study." And so, <laughs> so you know, we thought. That was so successful. We had President Obama flew up to see this thing. It was so successful that two years ago we went back to the FCC and said, look, we've done what we said we were going to do. Um, We provided this service for education. Education is our mission. Let us have the spectrum for the rest of the UP, and we'll light it up uh, within a year or two. And we're coming quickly on that deadline, and we will... We will make the deadline. We're in over, I believe, 70 communities in the UP right now, and they're building towers and putting them on water towers as fast as we can. Well, you know, and and talk about the importance of having this. I mean, because a lot of people don't think about it. Because if you live in a city like I do, you know, 
Yeah, it's you just, just, just have it. yeah. It's just there. Yeah. yeah, that's right. If it's not there, I mean, it's a challenge to keep residents in those communities, especially young people. So um, people come to our, the building that I work in uh, often to pick up equipment that they need because what they do is they get a router for their house that connects to our Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I see people in the elevator all the time, ran into uh, a young woman. She said, look, I'm 33 years old. I've never been on the Internet. I've never had the ability to have that access. And I can't, I can't fathom that. I mean, I can't go 15 minutes without my checking phone my phone, on, checking, you know, always engaged. And uh, it's made a real difference. We have stories of 12-year-olds, uh, parents driving their 12-year-olds into the McDonald's in Marquette to spend two, three hours, three, four nights a week to do homework. Um, the stories of the families we're impacting all around education has been been remarkable. Well, and it, so it's it's got to be critically important for the health of the UP in general, though. Yeah, I would agree. And so, I mean, when you look at this accomplishment, and you know, you're pulling this off, how, how are you feeling about it? Well, we feel really good, mostly because we're providing the service. Look, we're a tax-supported public institution. Mm-hmm. We have an obligation to serve as many people in as many different ways as we possibly can. And we knew how to do this. We had the creative team and willingness to pull something like this off. And frankly, we were tired of waiting for everybody else to to say, you know, go out and just say, please give us internet. And we just said, we'll just do it. And it's been very successful. Our friends at the MEDC and the state have been instrumental in helping us do this. And uh, we see this project just continuing to grow and to expand and help more communities. Well, it's the kind of thing that paves the way for other states. I mean, there are a lot of places in the country yeah. where, you know, there's just not going to be great access. Are, are you getting queries? From actually, actually I, I was talking to someone from Oklahoma last night, and I said, look, if you want me to come down and, you know, talk about how we made this happen, what are the rules of the game? Because it's very important from my perspective, you're going to do this with the educational spectrum, that education is the focus. So everybody that's on it has to agree to engage in some form of educational activity. And how, how widely defined is that? I mean, because pretty it seems widely to me defined. Reading the New York Times might be something well, that would be deemed educational. It, it, it can be. We have a whole series of learning modules that are out there okay. that people can look at. It's an opportunity around healthcare, learning more about if you have diabetes issues, health issues, okay. um, how to help manage and control those issues. Um, of course, any family that has a child in school gets access. We know they're already engaged. Anybody with the .dot edu yeah. access, and that's that includes all our collegiate friends at the other universities, the community colleges. We well, just make this available to anybody and everybody. Well, and especially in, in some remote locations. I mean, there are parts of the UP that are very, very sparsely populated. That's right. It's not easy for everybody to get to NMU in Marquette if they live in, in Barriga County, for oh, instance. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's a pretty good hike across the Porkies over there to get there. So um, think about educational opportunity, higher educational opportunities, online offerings. Is that something that NMU is going to be able to do more of as a result of this? Very much so. And it fits within our overall mission about how we find ways in which to serve communities in ways that meet those community and individual needs. Online learning, direct learning. We're actually moving some of the things that we do to, to more remote sites because that's where the need is. I mean, we've done other things 
we heard from our community that there's an incredible shortage of truck drivers. So we started a truck driving program. We're the only university we know of that did truck driving. People ask me, you know, why would a hoity-toity university do such a thing? And it's because... See a need, fill a need. See a need, fill a need. I'm stealing that line. <laughs> I stole it from a movie, I think. It was all robots. I'm, I'm stealing that line. That's, that's a great one. Well, <laughs> I should remind folks, my guest is Fritz Erickson, who's the president at Northern Michigan University. Look, see a need, fill a need. Uh, we've got this emerging industry in Michigan, a potential $1 billion industry yep. in legal cannabis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are offering a major, a pot major. Yep. A cannabis major, whatever you want to call it. It's called medicinal plant chemistry. Medicinal, well, and like I said, you know, this is not about the jokes, you know, hey, I majored in pot in college, ha, 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 you know, you hear that I've, kind of I've stuff. got the whole list. They're doing it? My personal favorite is we put the high in higher education. There you go. I, yeah, that and is by the way, one. we did get the Snoop Dogg letter of endorsement. He well, did a shout out on his blog. There you I mean, go. What you, you know, you, you, you take it as it comes. But, but, but this about, is organic chemistry. Oh, yeah. This is not easy. This is, it's a hard, this, this a hard skill. will tell you, this is a hardcore chemistry degree. Um, I've quipped a few times that if you could pronounce the name of the classes, we'll let you in. Because, I mean, this, this, this really is. And as the students will tell you, this is not a stoner's degree. I had a student tell me exactly that. This is, this is serious chemistry that, yes, has an impact on the cannabis industry, but any plant. Um, we don't, all the techniques that our chemists teach are really applied to St. John's wort or to any plant that plant substance and so forth sure. and in fact sort of the whole cbd uh extraction is something we're we're now moving into in a pretty major way with a partnership around hemp growth and yeah. hemp development it, it's been fun being the trailblazer we're the first program in the country um i thought maybe we'd have 25 kids when we started we're close to 300 in a year and a half um, well, it's and look, we're talking remarkable. This, this is STEM stuff, right? And, this you know, is. No pun intended, but um, this is it, this is high tech. This is, is important skill. And I mean, right now we're attracting, we're having to rope in talent from other places like Colorado, where they've got a little bit of a head start, um, just with people who've been involved in the industry. But you know, it seems as as the government sort of starts regulating this, and and you know, you're going to have to know exactly what's in this stuff, which compounds, in what amounts. We're going to need skilled people that actually understand what we're talking about here, if we're going to be accurate and safe. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. One of the most important things is to know what's in any substance you take. And unfortunately, there are too many cases where people will label things in a certain way that have a substance that either don't have any of it. Um, and this has been one of the problems with CBD, mm-hmm. is that there have been any number of reports that People who are selling CBD don't have any CBD in it. No, it's, it's, um, it's very much a snake oil industry at the moment. That's right. And how do you really make sure you provide a level of quality control? And uh, so it's been it's been a great program for us. We see it continuing to grow and develop. So uh, is this the kind of thing that then morphs into maybe the business side of things as well? Well, we actually have an entrepreneur track within the program. And okay. A number of number of students are coming in doing the baseline chemistry and then taking the entrepreneur track because there's a lot of people that are interested in in the business side of this industry. Now, does the fact that the federal government still classifies this as a Schedule One substance make it difficult for you guys to get the research permits you need? Well, you know, most of the, almost everything we do doesn't require cannabis. 
The techniques of extraction, for example, can be applied to non-cannabis substances. So we really don't need cannabis to be able to do this. Now with the change in hemp, now creates the opportunity for us to be able to extract CBD. Um, And so it looks like we'll be announcing in not too distant future a a growth initiative, a public-private partnership around hemp development. And and should we expect at some point that we actually start seeing a real increase in the amount of actual research being done on the medical side of this? Absolutely. Because, I mean, there's... A lot of studies that have been done, but the federal government has stymied a lot of that for, for well, so many Well, we, we, it's interesting. We've had some discussions with the College of Pharmacy at the University of Michigan in terms of what kinds of limitations they have where we can be supportive and, and, and being able to, to do, run experiments and do things in some different ways. It's going to take some work to navigate through the, all the legal requirements to make sure we are complying with all laws, federal, state, and local, and we're very committed to that. But we're on the right path with this. Well, Fritz, I, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I mean, we are on in Detroit. That's where most of the audience for this program is, although we have people all over the state that check it oh, out. Absolutely. But make your pitch. You've got kids graduating from high school right now, and uh, why should they, or, or juniors right now, why should they be considering Northern? Well, the thing about Northern is... Um, there, there are a number of reasons to come, but the one thing our students will tell you collectively is when they come to Northern, they feel like they're home. Um, our students don't go home on the weekend. We have a large contingency of, of kids from Detroit that don't go home every weekend. Yeah. They create an amazing sense of family. Um, and one of my favorite stories is I had a parent call me and complain that uh, her freshman daughter, they hadn't seen her. And it was coming into November, and why won't she come home? And I said, well, you know, you're probably far away. She said, no, we live in Marquette, and she won't come home. (laughs) Northern is a place of family, and there's such an amazing, amazing connection. And if you love the outdoors, there is no better place to be than in Marquette. I would agree. Well, Fritz Erickson, we appreciate your time, sir. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been great fun. Thank you. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Hey there, my name is Seth Ressler. Hi everyone, it's Becky Scarcello. I am new to the Detroit area. And I've been here my whole life. So we started a podcast together. It's called The D. Detroit's arts and entertainment podcast. We cover concerts, comedy, plays, food, drink, all kinds of stuff. All the cool events around town, things to do, and the people that are doing them. Can we talk about some of the people we've had as guests on this podcast? Hey, this is Mark Kurliancic, the restaurant critic for the Detroit Free Press. Hi, I'm Andy Lisi, and I host Essential Music on 1019 WDET. Hi, this is Mark Ridley of Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Hey, this is Kate Williams, executive chef of Lady of the House. Hey, this is Meltdown from WRAF in Detroit. This is Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box. This is Carmen Hart. Curator of film at the Detroit Institute of Arts. President and founder of Valentine Distilling Company. The general manager of innovation experiences for the Henry Ford. Arts and entertainment editor at the Detroit Free Press. The Michigan Science Center. Arts Beats the Detroit Detroit Public Theater. Theater. The Detroit in Detroit. If you like going out in the city of Detroit, you're going to like this podcast. The Debrief Podcast. We like to say Detroit's moving. Keep up. The Debrief. Your guide to Detroit's art and entertainment scene.